Welcome to the Intentional Growth Podcast, the show that teaches you how to grow the value of a company with an end in mind. Host Ryan Tansom interviews top business leaders, authors, entrepreneurs, and other professionals who share their experience and expertise about buying, growing, and selling companies. Thanks for tuning back in. This is episode 203 of the Intentional Growth Podcast. And today is a second time guest. His name is Gary Braun, and he is the co-founder and owner of the strategic sales consulting firm, Pivotal Advisors. Gary knows what he's talking about. He's been working with high performing sales teams for decades. Pivotal has been working with hundreds of companies over the years, helping them improve sales direction, create accountability, improve accuracy of forecasting, drive sales performance. And they've developed these six components called the six sales performance factors that he's gonna be talking about. And sales is hard already. It's always been hard, but it's more difficult now than ever because customer needs have changed. Traditional selling strategies and the challenges that were in place are completely different now than they've ever been. So we want to arm you with the best knowledge of what you could be doing differently today. In today's episode, Gary's going to share his insights into what business owners, specifically on the sales side, should be doing right now to reach their customers and continue to grow and generate revenue even in light of what's going on and the fact that companies are not buying products and services in any way, shape, or form like they used to back in February before COVID hit. Gary clearly explains the power of doing more than simply just calling to check in on how customers are doing. Lots of people are afraid of what their customers might say, but he's going to be diving into concrete strategies and approaches that you and your sales team could be doing right now, not just to maintain and keep the lights on, but to accelerate your growth and capitalize on market opportunities that are happening. In many companies, there's been significant changes in staffing, realignment and territories, goals, metrics, measurements, and even their day-to-day lives. So Gary is going to be sharing Pivotal's three-step process to adjusting your sales approach in this new business environment. And And that is one, analyze, two, realign, and three, execute. And it's meant to reset how your business is going to market from a sales perspective. Using this framework, Gary reminds us that while this time comes with tons of economic and personal challenges, it's also a huge opportunity to identify new avenues to support existing clients and to seek out new clients with different needs that you now can fulfill. Today touches on a ton of different important messages given the given the uncertainty that we're dealing with and we're all facing. Gary's advice and explanation of how to handle this unprecedented time makes the important connection between the value in developing data-driven strategies to support clients and the importance of keeping your company's long-term plans and growth in mind because too many people right now could be making the mistake of accelerating a path forward but then it's not creating value long term or it's not sustainable within a long-term strategy gary's going to break down in his three steps how you can reset your sales and then you can continue to grow in the right direction in line with your core values while also resonating with your client's current needs if you want to make sure that you're focused on the right strategies that are growing value long term text 66866 text the word intentional to that number and then we will shoot you a 20 question assessment as well as our one page intentional growth vision board it's one page that has all the factors that you need to be focused on right now as far as ebitda growth strategies targeting your long term and your short term and aligning all your strategies it's a home run it'll help you focus on the right things and the questions in the assessment will really rack your brain it spits out the score and it shows you how you compare to other businesses that are focused on the right things right now. Make sure to tune in for next episode where Xavier Helgeson is going to be sharing how he created the first B Corporation and how he was able to donate over 27 million books, scale a company to the point where he ended up selling it to the founder of Alexa, which seriously wild story. And then he ended up raising close to $100 million for a solar panel business that was also based on impact investing and changing the world. Xavier's got amazing stories that you got to make sure to tune into. So hope you enjoyed today's episode. So without further ado, here's Gary Braun. Sponsored by Arcona's Intentional Growth Digital Course. Ryan Tansom and Pat Hobby show you how to shift your mindset away from solving for annual income to focusing on strategies that create long-term value, giving you the freedom and choices to take control of the future destiny of your business. 
Accelerate your knowledge with 36 videos and dozens of exercises that combine decades of experience buying, growing, and selling companies. Learn more by going to arcona.io or visiting the show notes. Gary, how are you? Doing good. How about you? Doing good. You and I have had lots of conversations. This is round two of the podcast. Um, you, We kicked off the Value Growth Series at the beginning of this year, thinking we were just going to go into this year, cranking along, doing what we <laughs> normally do, getting salespeople to log stuff in the CRM. And that's the least of our worries, I think, at this point. I'm excited because you hit home when you and I were chatting uh, the other day and you said, you know, salespeople just can't call people and just say, how are you doing? So that's kind of the, the premise of this call. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. We, we've talked to so many people and uh, we asked them, so what are you doing to retain business? And they go, we got a good plan. We're, we're calling and checking in with all of our top customers. I said, <laughs> what does checking in mean? Well, you know, see how they're doing. And and if they need anything, we're here for them. I'm like, cookies, people. In a very tactful way, I tried to say that's a crappy sales call because you, they're, they're thinking, oh my gosh, I've got all these issues and you're just calling saying, how's it going? There's no value you're bringing there at all. But th- that that's the predominant plan that was out there with a lot of companies. And and I think with what you guys do, and maybe what, what we can do for the listeners and the viewers here is a little bit of background on Pivotal again, what you guys are doing. And I think we can talk about kind of the challenges in the marketplace because everybody's impacted differently. I mean, we've, I've had, you know, we're talking about the PPP that's coming and going, and then we've got just this quote unquote new normal. So I think you, I mean, I just was uh, on a webinar where you went into detail on some of the market stuff, but I think for the, for this call, what we'll be doing is diving into what's going on, what's changed, where are the opportunities, and then actually what the heck can people do about this stuff? And then like uh, you and I were talking before we jumped down is let's have a lens of Make sure that what you're doing now and the decisions you're making are going to create value long term. That it's not just three years from now you're just still grinding away, collecting revenue, and that you're doing this from a data point of can the balance sheet recalibrate along with growing sales? Because that's the whole right. point. So right. why don't you just kind of kick it into like you know what what are you seeing, what's going on, and how how like what does the new norm look like for sales? Okay, and, and just real quick as background for anybody who hasn't oh, yeah, heard sorry. before. Um, <laughs> So Gary Braun uh, and one of the founders of Pivotal Advisors were a sales consulting firm in, in Prior Lake, Minnesota. And we work with lots of small to mid-sized companies specifically around sales, helping them get a healthy sales organization that can scale predictably and consistently. So that, that, that's what we do. And we, we find a lot of companies get to a certain point and they level off in their sales without COVID or any of the rest of that stuff. But they they kind of level off and it's because they don't have a great strategy or good people systems or repeatable process. And that that's kind of what we do. Well, and, and, and um, let me interrupt you there for Gary. If sure. Because one of the reasons that I really enjoyed uh, getting to know you guys in Pivotal is you've built a framework kind of like we've got for the intentional growth principles. So yep. it's not just going in there and saying, hey, what's broken? Can we bill you and help you fix this? Like you actually are putting some serious uh, intention behind how you're analyzing. So maybe kind of give an overview of the six components because that'll set the foundation towards why are you, you know, recalibrating your strategy? Yeah. And it's very similar to what you guys have. So if you're familiar with the Arcona model at all, uh, we have one that says, if you're going to have a healthy sales organization, A, you've got to have a strategy. The, the team has to know who we're going after, how we're positioned in the market, how we differentiate uh, we have to know who our ideal client is. We have to have goals and initiatives. That's that's we call it strategy. Then we get into people, and people is all about not just do I have the right people on the team, but do I have good systems for attracting and bringing on the right people? A lot of small, mid-sized companies really struggle with hiring good salespeople. So, do I have good people systems for how I select them? And even if I hire good ones, do I have good ones for how I get them up to speed, onboard them, get them productive, and retain them? Then we get into uh, process, and I put planning in there as well. Do we have a plan for how we're going to hit our number? And is there a defined process made up of best practices for how we find them, qualify them, do discovery with them, present our solutions, close them, expand them? You know, a lot of companies, you got one or two really good salespeople. 
who are doing great things and everybody else is kind of doing their own gig. And then you hire them to managers and then they don't sell anymore. Absolutely. <laughs> Take that revenue out of the field by all means. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, the, the next one is measurement. So are we measuring the right things? Everybody measures sales. That's easy, but measuring the things that lead to sales and putting goals around them, we get into rewards and, and recognition, which is really some of it's comp. A lot of it's just non-comp it, it, it's performance management and recognizing and reinforcing the right behaviors. And lastly, it's execution. What's your system? How often do we get together as a team? How often do we get together one-on-one? How often am I riding along or listening in and providing feedback? How do we communicate and stay aligned? And the fascinating thing is the person that we put in charge, as you just alluded to, uh, the sales leader is responsible to do all of that stuff and nobody's taught them how to do any of it. Um, <laughs> they were a good seller. You and I both were in this thing where we were good this sellers. This exact situation happened to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> me too. I got promoted my first job. I thought my, my whole gig was go help people close their deals. And yeah, yeah. Or like, well, them. you're just supposed to show up and sell like I was, right? Like, how come you're not yeah. making... <laughs> Yeah, and I couldn't figure out why people weren't doing what I did. And I was on my first that, sales leader yeah. <laughs> job, I was not good. It, 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 but again, nobody teaches the sales leader how to do that. They promote them and say, You were a good seller, you'll be a good manager. And then we don't teach them how to. Whoever teaches you how to develop a comp plan that aligns with your corporate strategy or, or how to have a hard conversation with somebody or how to implement sales process. Or get people to put their stuff in CRM for gosh sakes. You know, <laughs> nobody teaches you that part of the job. So that that's kind of what we do. Well, and I think it's super important because I want to make sure that, that that brings some serious credibility and and some logic towards what we're going to talk about. Because yeah. I think in in times like this, having core principles, my one of my favorite people on the planet, Ray Dalio, it's it, it's a way to process the things that are coming at you. So as things change, if you have the core principles and the core components then you can use those as a way to facilitate the change we're about to discuss, right? So it's not haphazard, you know, strategies that we're putting in place that we're going to regret in 18 months. We use the things that we say, okay, here are the best practices. How do we use those best practices to recalibrate? So as you've been seeing this over the last 90 days, Gary, like what, you know, you can, um, from that presentation you went through, you know, kind of give us an overview of what's changed. You know, it's not going to be all awesome, super exciting stuff, but I think it's the reality we live in. So I think it's important as a lens before we go into the, the rest of the material. Yeah. The, the first thing that we noticed was a lot of sales leaders and sales teams are, are almost paralyzed or were paralyzed. My all my customers don't want to talk to me anymore. Nobody wants to experience a new vendor. They're all trying to figure out their own situation, and I don't know what to do. And by the way, now I have to work from home, which I've never done before, and that's a whole new situation. And maybe I have to teach my kids in the morning before I. I mean, everything got turned upside down, and all those plans that we did at the start of the year are kind of out the window. So that that's that's the. The market that we still that's the that's the game that's the landscape right <laughs> that's the landscape and here's another fascinating one and i've got a sales leader sitting back going mr mrs ceo tell me what to do and then i've got the owner or ceo saying why isn't my sales leader coming up with a plan so revenue, you know, to, give to, me to, revenue and profit <laughs> yeah what do your job go find it and, and as a result all the sales people out there are going don't know what to do so it's it's that's the landscape that that we're living in, and I just see Ryan that there is so much opportunity. And yes, the economy's terrible, and things are going down. But at the same time, whenever there's a lot of change like that, there's a lot of opportunity to do something. Mm-hmm. And I look back; we started our firm in 2008. Awesome time to start a company, right? Everything's just cratering. But with that, companies had new challenges. There was New, new things that they were looking at. There was anything they could do to generate sales. And that's when we started our company and we actually did really well because we recognized the new challenges they had. And we took advantage of, of helping them solve those problems. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I actually just interviewed a, an investment banker who said that their education and their, 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 they, they thrived in 09 uh, and 2010 were their best years. So I think advice or anything in sales, like, and, and this will probably get into your, as you're talking about how do you actually do that and is making sure that you're meeting the customer where they're at, right? Instead of being blind right. of like, Hey, by the way, what I sold 90 days ago is doesn't work. And I think about the landscape you just talked about. And then 
challenging issues with you know the lack of funds how many companies are either decimated aren't open or trying to reopen or they're you know they might be a good prospect and need your services but the owner's more concerned about do I need plexiglass between cubes? I don't care about right. buying whatever you're selling. So it's it's in I think about it, Gary, even for my own business and my own human nature, being a salesperson, the one of the most important things is being relevant. When you take that away from a salesperson, it's like you strip away their identity. And that's the that's where I think a lot of the paralysis comes from because you just don't know how to be relevant. And then the things that you can do to be relevant might not align with the products and services that you sold 90 days ago. So I think that's what we're going to get into here. Absolutely. And if you think about a customer, so their markets and the people they sell to has been impacted. They're worried about cash. Uh, They now have to work remotely. Their priorities have all changed. Their team may have changed. I mean, a bunch of these things have happened and we're going to call up and say, hey, do you want to buy my widget? I mean, it's, it's just, it's, I use the word tone deaf all the time that yeah. you are not addressing their needs. And anybody knows a really good salesperson doesn't just pitch their wares, you know, that they go in and they do good discovery. They find out what's important to them. They anticipate what needs are. They introduce things to the, to the customer that maybe they hadn't even thought about. They challenge their thinking. That's a really good salesperson. Well, guess what? Even if you know that company up and down right now, and they've been a client for 10 years, you almost have to go back to discovery. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand what's important to you. And if you're talking to enough people, there's probably three to five challenges that all of them have that you can't anticipate what they are. And you say, so how are you guys doing on you know managing Getting back this to situation? Yeah, are how going- are you handling this problem? And, and I worked with five other companies who have that exact same issue. And here's what we're doing to help them. Mm-hmm. That sounds way different than how's it going, or do you want to buy my software product, or you know, yeah, you their world even, has changed. You have to understand their new world. But yeah, you can't even ask them for a thirty-minute call or have some coffee, like which is the the easiest path of least resistance for a salesperson. Hey, can you just get some time to see? It? Like all the things fail on the call, and hey, can we just set up a time to meet? You can't even close for that anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, I think about people in the finance world right now, uh, CPAs and lenders and all the rest of that. And everybody's gotten this PPP money. And that was a big thing. And there was all kinds of expertise around what you've got to do to get PPP money. And now it's shifted to forgiveness on PPP and what's deductible and what's not. And what do I do if I'm over in it? And there is a thousand questions about it because the government got money out there really fast. And then they were less clear on, on how you you deal with less it. clear is maybe even a little light as far as but but if if i'm in the finance world at all I, I might come up with a brand new offering around this it's a short-term thing so you know it, it handles immediate things it's not your long-term strategy but i i've seen some successful companies come up with a whole program around helping you navigate ppp Mm-hmm. That's adapting to the situation. That that's listening to what's going on in the market and really adapting to what the market needs. Well, and, and I want to because uh, I agree with you, and I think maybe given a couple other relevant examples to use as we uh, get into like actionable things that were the yeah. opportunities and the 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 things to to do in order to implement those is. I mean, the common problems that I'm seeing, Gary, and this is just coming from, I mean, I was on a call with a hundred or 200 and some business owners across all the city or all of, all the business journals and you know, the PPP will come and go. So I think I was talking, I don't know if it was you or someone else where it's like, that will happen. But like, let's say you roll that, like you've rolled time forward 90 days. Like businesses are going to be left to their own devices to figure this shit out, period. Right. I mean, you got the money either it was forgiven or not forgiven. And, and at the end of the day, there you are. And you yep. either are executing strategies that you and I are going to talk about or you're not. And like the government's not going to keep funding you. So we like people have to, I think, you know, a lot of business owners are thinking that, but the real ones are going, what's Q, Q3, Q4 going to look like? And in right now it's how are you bringing your, your employees to work? What's the working environment? How does that work? I just got off the phone with a client and their cost structure so that they can't service, I think they can only service like 60%, not a restaurant. This is retail manufacturing. Because of the, the administrative bullshit tied to all this, they can literally, their full capacity is 60% of what it was in January. And there's right. more costs. So like, 
I guess my point is I'm, those are the kind of problems that name, whoever's listening, whatever product or service you're selling, those are, you know, those are standard problems every business is going to have. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you're doing professional services, it's pretty easy to pivot and change and create an offering. If you're selling a widget, it's harder, but there's still things that you can do. There's different things you can do around support levels to help them through a crisis, um, terms, inventory or just in time inventory to help them preserve cash. There's certain things that no matter what you sell, you can adapt to their market, Mm -hmm. but it really starts with understanding what their needs are and don't taking it, take for granted just because you know that client, but you almost go back to that discovery like you were talking about before. And you're right. People are dealing with cash. They're dealing with safety, returning to work. They're dealing with working remote. Their markets have changed. They might be looking at new markets. They might be coming up with new solutions. They're going to be listening to this too. Like they're trying to figure out, do I sell the same stuff still? So everybody's dealing with that. To some Absolutely. You know, I, I talked on the webinar that we did earlier today. There was one company who they make like orthopedic pillows and knee braces and stuff. I mean, uh, stuff to help in the orthopedic and medical field. And somebody came to them and said, hey, we should make masks. And, and the owner said, why, why make masks? Because China can do it for like 95 cents a piece and they're going to be way cheaper. I'm not even getting in that market. And then when he went and listened to the market and he talked to people, they're like, we don't want that cheap stuff from China. By the way, we don't know if it'll get here. We want good quality masks. And by the way, we want them local and we want you know reliable stuff. He says, well, let's try it. And he went out and he, he evaluated the market and he came out with some masks and People bought him like that. And he's like, well, that worked. And let's keep doing that. And pretty soon this whole company that was focused in one area has now shifted and they, they're chipping 10 to 20,000 masks a month. Mm-hmm. And it's opened up brand new markets that they've never gone to. That, that's adapting to the situation and building the value of that company so they're not taking a big crater during this, this crisis. And I think there's even more opportunities outside of just the obvious of masks where like there's, as these, pro- these common problems continue to arise, there's going to be tons of opportunities. They might take a little bit more creative thinking and creative problem solving and say, what are your core competencies as a, as a manufacturer, as a service provider? Like I got a client where they, they, they implement low voltage and um, low voltage. It's uh, fire security and they do it. They're an integrator, but they're essentially yeah. really, really good project manager and executor. Well, you could do that with other things. You know what I mean? So sure. you think about it. You don't have to do it with those things. You could do it with something else. Yeah. So I, I look at, uh, you know, customer needs have changed. We've got to understand what the customer needs are. I look at which markets to chase. That's one of the biggest things, regardless if there's a crisis or not. One of the reasons a lot of salespeople fail is they chase business that they just can't win or it's not an ideal fit. Guess what? Our markets have shifted. If you sold to restaurants and bars and golf courses, your market just went in the toilet. Hospitality. There's other markets shows. out there. What's that? Hospitality, trade shows, events. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your market's down, but there are other markets that you could potentially go sell to, like the mask guy. Mm-hmm. So client needs have changed. Uh, ideal client has changed. Your decision makers, the people you go sell to, they might not even be there anymore. They may have been laid off or furloughed or now there's new people in there and whatnot. You got to understand that. Um, I talked to one company who said that All of the priorities that we had, our initiatives for this year, have basically been tabled. And things that we planned on, remote working and e-commerce and whatnot, have now, they were going to be 2021 and 2022. We're working on them now. So companies' needs have changed or their priorities have changed, their buying approach. So I've seen a lot of companies now who had one or two good suppliers. Well, those suppliers are struggling tremendously and it's remade them think about, I need a second, third, fourth supplier so I never run into this issue again. What an opportunity if you've been trying to break into an account is now you can go in there with, hey, we have we can solve your problem of having uh, too much vested, too many eggs in one, in one basket here. That can change. Your competition, I can almost promise you that there's a lot of people out there who have competitors who are falling down and not servicing their clients well, or maybe they've cut their staff so so far back the customer services there's opportunity all over i guess is the mm-hmm. point i'm trying to make and then contrast that and, and you can change your messaging your approach your positioning and all that contrast that with hey ryan how's it going yeah i'm here if you need help no 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 we, we gotta be more useless call 
Yeah. It's a useless call. Yeah. So, um, and we're going to get into, you got a couple different steps that we can talk about in a little bit about how to actually, you know, analyze that and go get it. But before we do that, um, I think what we, I'd love, love for you to do as I'm looking at um, some of the slides is how have buyers changed? And like, you know, the, the, the typical sales process. So, I mean, I even think about you and I, who I'm sure like we were networkers, right? I would do keynotes. You would do keynotes. You just got done. That used to be at a golf course with 60 people. So like the way of acquiring clients have changed as well. And we all know that there's digital marketing out there. So we're not going to just have the state, the obvious of, okay, maybe you should do digital marketing. You know, this is like, I think you, you gave some good points about what are, how are the buying behaviors changing? And then how can you meet clients with where they're at? Yeah. So a, your, your decision makers might not be there anymore. So we got to find the right ones. You know, that, that's a, really common thing. I talked to a lot of companies where they've talked to their salespeople and said, well, you know, have you checked in with 3M or Honeywell? And they, yeah, I talked to the guy. Guess what? There's more than one guy at those companies. We got to get a little deeper in those things. But yeah. some of the things that we just talked about in terms of uh, they're changing their buying approach. The one thing on decision makers and any business owners who happen to be listening here is you could probably relate to this. We're all starving for information. We're all starving for whatever data we can get to help us make better business decisions. To make this uncertainty and, somewhat kind of clear. <laughs> right. We're trying to we're trying to make the best bets we can based on the information we have. And the more information we have, the better we can make those bets. Mm -hmm. And as salespeople, we should play into that. We should be bringing them information. We should be bringing them data they can use. We should be making them think about things that they have not even thought about yet. And that that that's a different approach for a lot of people who have just kind of pitched their widget and they ask questions about their widget. And, do you need this? And do you want that? And wouldn't this be cool? No, we help them solve business issues, not, not sell a product. So I think that the, the slide that you and I can dive into, which is the, the opportunities, it's funny because I think there's two birds with one stone as we approach this, Gary. One is it's going to be relevant for the listeners saying, okay, how, where are my opportunities? But honestly, it's the same opportunities that the clients that they're calling on are going to have. Absolutely. So if they can figure out, okay, if I sell this widget or if I do this service, these are the questions that the clients that I'm calling on are asking. So as long as you truly do understand their business, you can help them understand the things that we're about to talk to as well. You're also doing it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and it, you know, if they're dealing with, and a lot of companies are, we're dealing with cash issues. I want to come to them with, cash. how can we, <laughs> what, yeah, there's cash. No. Uh, how can I help you on terms? How can I help you reduce inventory or use just in time inventory? How can I help you realize that the ROI on something you're doing or not doing, um, you know, those are all types of things that, that we need to be bringing to them. If, if they're struggling on their side, maybe you're helping them connect them to new markets that they haven't looked about or helping them think about how your, um, your offerings can help them in a remote. There's a lot of people who said, great, all my people are remote. Cool. We've got them all set up on Zoom. Okay. What they haven't thought about is what are the security impl implications around that? What are the productivity? How do I know if they're working or not? Are there analytics? Is there depth? You can bring them information that, oh, wow, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. Am I putting my company at risk? Could that hurt the value of my company because I got them set up, but I didn't think through this? I get, there's so many opportunities when you're going in to talk to any decision maker to help them think about their business and not just about their product mm -hmm. offering. So what, when we get, when we have, and I don't know if we were going through it, I'm looking at it here. So you got the, the different opportunities. You got the ideal client competition. You want to go, you want to go through a couple of these or how do you want to? Uh, we, we could, we talked about some of them already, but you know, ideal clients again is um, how do we chase the, the markets that, that we know are up? Not all markets are down. Hospitality and things are down. Obviously it is still doing well. Construction's doing well. Anything related to healthcare is doing well. Finance is doing well. How do we shift and see if there's something that we can do to go after those markets? We might need to change our, our offering. We might need to do something differently, but how do we go after that? We've talked a lot about needs already. We got a lot of these covered, actually. Um, yeah. 
And I'll say, you know, I think one of the important things as the owners that are listening in on this, and, and we're, we'll get into this as we talk about like, okay, how do you do this? And right, what's the right steps using your six components, using like value growth as, as a lens. I think, you know, and I'm curious as you're working with clients, what you're, what you're seeing is you got to juggle the needs for cash. Like you got to get the cash in the door, right? So yeah. get the revenue in, you got to balance the short term with the long term, like period. Right. I mean, like, because if you're only looking at the short term, you're going to wake up and you're never going to get out of the short term. And it's going to be this constant grind to get the revenue again. And then there's, hey, can we do these things to generate cash? But as we're pivoting business models or, or our target market or something like that, will this thing be worth more money in 36 months, this thing being the company than what it is right now? I mean, I'm watching people where like, if they actually do this, quote unquote, new strategic planning, the stuff that you're talking about, there's going to be shit that's going to be worth more from a business perspective than just the, the, the stuff that they were doing before. Like you said, hey, our suppliers, you know, we had one supplier. Now we need to diversify because we saw the cracks. But I'll tell you what, way better now than to some, for a buyer down the road to say, hey, by the way, you find it out in the deal. So I think you know, the lens of are these things creating value or have the potential to while we're generating cash now to pivot over to these things is so important. Well, yeah, I think about it a couple of different ways. If we don't address the immediate situation and we deplete our cash in the business and we lose our staff and we that that hurts our long-term value right now. So that there are things that we need to do to address short-term. But we we always say around here, don't let your short-term tactics screw up your long-term strategy. You know, you still have a vision for three years, five years, ten years. You want to build it. But we do need to address the, the immediate situation. So as we're analyzing the different things that we should do, we need to take into consideration how does this affect long-term strategy because we're trying to build value in our business. Well, and I think it's interesting, Gary, too, because I think if you actually shift your mindset away from the annual income to value creation, it allows you to make these decisions easier. doesn't mean they're like super easy, but like if you're like hypothetically, because we were just going through a, with a client is if your goal is 2 million in EBITDA in 24 months, because it's 1.2 right now. And that's still the goal is 2 million in EBITDA at a $12 million valuation. Okay. Can our products and services get us there or not? Instead of saying, I love what I do. This is what I've done forever. I love this widget and everybody loves this widget. Well, no one gives a shit because it's not worth 12 million bucks. So like, it just makes it easier to come to grips with, okay, the market's changed. The $12 million valuation hasn't changed. The $2 million EBITDA hasn't changed. Product services, right mix, right? You know, all that stuff should be able to pivot you to, to say that's still the goal. And then how do we address these things, look at these things correctly to be able to accomplish that goal? Yeah. And it's, it's funny when we, you mentioned three steps. So we always look at, I'm going to, shift my strategy, either shorter term or long term, but I'm going to shift my strategy to attend to the crisis right now. And we go, okay, let's analyze the data. Let's come up with our new plan and let's go execute. But too many companies jump right to, I got a bunch of cool ideas. Let's go do this. Let's go do this. Let's make masks. Let's see if we can do ventilators. Let's do this. Let's change this. And we don't analyze. We don't stop. We just throw stuff at the wall. And this builds no value in the business at all. We just try stuff, which oftentimes fail. And, and we say, don't skip this really important step on the front end. Let's get all of our really smart people in a room and from all disciplines. So we got sales and marketing and ops and finance and everything else. And we get it. And let's just agree on what the opportunity is. And there's no blaming here. It, it, it's, it is what it is. Let's understand what's our cash situation, because that's going to restrict what we can or can't do. Let's we went into one company and they said, we got a real cash problem. PPP, yes, we're getting that. But we, we got a bunch of receivables out there and we need cash. So rather than just throw ideas at the wall, that was one of the things that came out of analysis. And we said, sales team, part of your job is to go help collect because we need cash. Uh, and they turned around and the sales team went, cool, <laughs> made a couple of calls. Lots of cash came in really fast. Yep. That was probably not one of the first ideas that came up, but when we sat and we looked at everything that came out of analysis, forecast and pipeline, I can't tell you how many times I ask a CEO, what's your confidence in the pipeline your sales leader is giving you? I look at it, kind of, you know, no. Or they don't even really. want to look at it because it's denial, right? <laughs> right, right, yeah. Well, my favorite one is we had about a, I don't know, seven, eight million dollar company, and he says, look at this forecast. And he gave it to me, he says, 
So it's apparently this quarter we're going to do twelve million dollars. <laughs> and they're looking at everything from I, I had a phone call with a guy to I'm going to sign on the dotted line, and he goes, I don't know how to make sense of this. So you know, how do I get a good forecast? Do I have confidence in that? How do I whittle whittle it down to what I can count on? Mm-hmm. That's an important part of the analysis. You know, which segments are up or down? Where can we play? Where can't we play? Um, what are we hearing from the customers? That's another one. It, a good one. What is our strategy for people who call up and say, I got to cancel what we're doing with you, or I need to reduce our services and whatnot? Because too often, the salesperson on the other line, because we haven't given them a direction or strategy, they go, oh, yeah, that's too bad. That sucks. Well, we're here if you need you. And it's done. Where it should be, hmm, understand the problem. Let me ask you a bunch of questions and see if there's some way that we can help you. And we dig it. But we haven't given them the strategy. So I want to understand what the current strategy is. I want to understand if we want them to do something different, is our comp plan getting in the way? How, how does comp work? Because if it's based on a dollar is a dollar and anything I sell, new or existing or towards an initiative, if it's the same, the sales rep's going to decide what your strategy is and they're going to go execute whatever they don't want to do. So we've got to look at comp. We have to look at if we just did staff adjustments. Unfortunately, a lot of people got furloughed or let go or whatnot. Okay, that means there's a whole bunch of accounts that aren't being looked after. So do we need to restructure accounts? Do we need to restructure territory? But in this analysis step, we're looking at all of this. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. we're understanding based on that, where are our highest priorities? Then we're throwing the stuff at the wall based on educated guesses. And we're coming up with our strategy, but too many people skip this first step. Well, and I think what's super interesting and what, which is why you and your team and our team have been talking is if you sat down in that room with good financial data, and you said, okay, again, $12 million valuation, $2 million EBITDA, 36 months, that hasn't changed. Where are we at with our, and if you have a crystal clear annual budget, you say, well, that's totally out the window, but we still need to hit this. Like, how do we revise that? And like you said, when we, when you look at the, the, the sales forecast and the receivables, that's cash, <laughs> both of those. Right. And so we need to understand how we're going to get that. Then we, then it, it's a way, it's a lens to have those conversations. And you in your presentation talked about the ladder and I loved it um, because I think people without good financials, without good, clear, transparent management teams like this, and especially when you exacerbate with a crisis like this, they jump right to the top of that ladder. <laughs> you want to kind of give everybody an overview of what that yeah, is? So it's a, it's a communication tool. It's been around for decades called the ladder of inference. And it, it's how the human mind comes to conclusions and takes actions. And it starts at the bottom of the rung of a ladder, if you can picture that, and it's data. And data can mean metrics or something we read or customer feedback or things we observe or whatever else, but that's data. And based on that data, depending on our background, we perceive that data a certain way. And then we make assumptions on what that data is. Then we come come to conclusions. And from that, we take action. And the example we used in the webinar was, you know, one guy saying, I think we, you know, all these product customers who have product X, we should sell them product Y because I talked to two customers and they thought product Y was great. And that's one person. Then the, you got the other person on the other side saying, stupid idea. I've talked to 12 customers and they didn't like it. So we should, you know, we shouldn't do that. And we had at the top, we both come to our conclusions and we're fighting over those conclusions. And then when we really boiled it back down to the data, we pulled our database and said 62% of all the people who have product X also have product Y. Huh, that's interesting. Maybe we should go back to all those other people. So well, and again, like a layer getting and layer. lined on, uh, <laughs> on the same set of data. That's why it's so important to get all the right people. Well, and everybody product. jumps right to the conclusions, right? I mean, oh, yeah. and like, and most people, especially me as a visionary, I mean, I think about what I did to Pat last night. I was literally cutting my grass, Gary. And I like, tons of freaking ideas. It's an hour with me. <laughs> and I get off and I'm like, Hey, you got a time for a five minute chat. And of course it's an hour and a half. And I'm like, Hey, we should just redo all these things. <laughs> and he's just like, where in the hell did that come from? And then it's go all the way back down and say, yeah. oh, here's where the, all the dots got connected. But yeah. I think about like the different roles, especially in an organization from sales who are having those conversations with the different clients. What should we do? Should we have same product, same services, like the strategic go to market, but ops is thinking, do we have the right inventory? We don't have enough inventory. You know, do we have the right staff? We furlough these people. All those things that will give them conflict around what they're saying. And then 
finance is going tap their line, can't purchase any inventory. You know, so all of those different you know functions are coming at completely different problems that yeah. that have to you have to start at that bottom rung. Otherwise, to your point, you're not going to have those productive conversations of like literally how do we go to market? Because then yeah. you can go relay it relay it to the salespeople and everybody else outside of that room. Right. And too often the CEO and sometimes even the sales leader, they get way too far ahead of their team. <laughs> and then, and they've, I don't know if you've ever heard of the marathon effect, but the marathon effect is if you think about a marathon, you got a gazillion people lined up at the starting line and the gun goes off and the first people dash out and they're way out there and they're probably got their first mile already done. And the people at the back of the line going, did you hear a gun? <laughs> And they don't know what's going on. By the time they finish, they cross the finish line to start the race. You got people that are halfway through it, and that's kind of what we do as leaders. Sometimes is we have already done all this homework, this research, this planning, thought through, mowed your lawn, came up with all these ideas. It's really clear in your mind, and then you talk to somebody else, and they're crossing the finish line. They're going, "Why are we doing this?" So we, we got to boil it back down and catch everybody up and get on the same page. Uh, so true. So then, um, and I th- and I think. You know, to kind of put a bow on that uh, part of the analyze is like doing it in the numbers. And you and I, before even COVID, was having sales and finance and the value growth stuff aligned, so that way yep. you're you're doing stuff that is going to solve short term, but then create like value with a multiple that's transferable down the road is so important. And then there's a strategic planning that needs to get layered into this to the you know to a certain extent. If this if the people in the room can't agree on it or they need some you know outside stimulus. To help them, so then you know when you talk about the real line, like what, how do you actually start taking this to market, right? So like, and what are the things that you absolutely need to have done in order to make this stuff? Let's assume that you do some things. What 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 do you have to have done before you start to execute to make it actually work? Well, we all have to agree on what the data tells us, and then pick pick the few things we want to do. Are we going to change our process? Are we going to change our messaging? Are we going to realign people? Are we going to do whatever? But we're all making that decision. And, and again, I'll reemphasize it because I think it's super important. And we don't let our short-term tactics screw up our long-term strategy. Can you give an we're not going to ship the whole company to make masks because you know that's not what we do. And then our long-term strategy is out the window because we're trying to build long-term. So we all agree on what are the, the few things that we need to to focus on. And again, it could be markets or process or our solutions or whatever it else, but we, we focus on those, those few things. And then we got to roll it out to the team. And I like looking at having our accountability systems already built. I like looking at having comp already figured out. So how are we incenting the right behaviors? How are we going to measure progress and know whether this is working or not? So we figured all of that stuff out as a team and we prioritized and then we got to roll it out to the rest of them and not have that marathon effect. We, we mm-hmm. got to roll out. Why are we changing? Share the data, share your decisions, share the other things that maybe you even considered. Here's what we're doing. And, and to a fault, a lot of our leaders say, here's what I want you to do, but they don't tell them how I want you to do that. You can say, Ryan, I want you to go chase the medical market with this new product. And you're going, I can do that. Oh, and by the way, here's your goal. And here's how we're going to pay you. And you're going, cool. And as soon as you walk out of the room, it's like, well, which clients and how do I message it? And what questions do I ask? And who are the decision makers? And how am I going to do this remote? Because I'm used to being out. And all of the how questions aren't answered. Mm -hmm. So as we're coming up with our new strategies, it's not just what we're doing, but we got to figure out how we're doing it. Be really clear on how we roll it out to the team. I totally agree. And I think what you hit on something that Personally, I think that's maybe why I'm an entrepreneur, but the, the why is so important to me. And like, and I think it is true to everybody. You know what I mean? Like, so you, you, you said it, but I think I want to just emphasize it is to sit down because I'm thinking about like my old sales team of 20 people, like they're all grown adults that are making a good money and they want to know why the hell they're doing things. And so if you can just say, we went through all these activities and we said, these things can't work because of these reasons. We're not going to hit our financials, blah, 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 whatever it's going to be. We think that these are going to be the best approach. We need your help. And like, this is why we're going to tell you to go do this. You know, I think that, that that is so important because then people can start to, you know, there's going to be pivots in sales calls or in certain decisions that are going to have to be made. They at least they understand like, this is what we're trying to accomplish. And so versus just, I was told to 
sell $150,000 of medical devices again. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like, right. there's no like, what's the big point behind it? And why are we shifting? And, and what problems are we solving? And the more your sales team understands that, the more committed they're going to be. It's interesting. But, but that's a really important part. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because not to go down too far a rabbit hole with the, as we're wrapping up in the next 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes is like, when I started in our family business, we had 20 salespeople and it was 20 million ish and we were in major cash problems. And so like all these problems, even though there was no COVID, it was just right after the financial crisis. And like, we were very transparent. We had salespeople collecting receivables so we could, we were factoring at that point because that was real cash to us. So like mm-hmm. it was like, and honestly, we had some really good morale because people were like, hey, I'm, it's all part of the team. We get back and on Fridays, we're like, who got the shit kicked out of them the most? Well, someone's like, I drove to Moorhead for an $80,000 receivable. And it's like, it was that kind of stuff that like helped the whole reason of the, you know, them knowing the why and it's for everybody. Everybody's in it together. I don't know. It's maybe a little bit fluffy, but it's just so real. Like it actually works. <laughs> Brian, I, I'm glad you said that because it is absolutely real. And uh, it was funny. We just did the webinar this morning and afterwards, somebody on our staff said, when you were talking about rolling it out and talking about the why and everything else, in her mind, she thought of the scene from Apollo 13 where they throw all the crap out on the table. They say, here's what we got to get done. How do we do it? And we all work together to do it. Uh-huh. You create that kind of atmosphere in your team. And here's what we're, we're down. The market just took a big dive. And here's what we're trying to do. Let's all get together and figure out how to do this. And when you can get that type of buying and morale on the team. And then you celebrate every small win that you get. I got a new conversation with a brand new client in a new industry. Our new messaging worked well. And you celebrate the heck out of that stuff and get everybody on the same page. You can create some real momentum in your in your team. And I think it's a good opportunity for owners and leaders to be more vulnerable than they've ever been. Because honestly, Absolutely. I think... I think about our situation, a lot of the clients that we have, and there's this perception because of the lack of transparency in a lot of mid-market companies, employees think that owners just make shitloads of money. Right. <laughs> and the reality is when you boil it all down between taxes and reinvesting and all the different things, owners are, it, it, it's okay to say kind of, you know, and we don't have to show them the distributions and all that stuff, but you can show them a certain amount of maybe creep up another 10% of the information you're showing them on the numbers to say, Hey, I'm not buying a yacht this year. This is for everybody's job, you know? And like, this is the sacrifices that we're making. I just think it's important because, you know, when you say big revenue numbers like that, and you're talking to your customer service reps or the sales associates, I mean, they're, they, they fill in the gaps of like how much that means to someone's pocketbook. And they just don't know how to correlate the, the, the reality toward, towards it. Yeah. And, and I love the transparency that you're talking about. And, and it just makes me think, I've talked to some CEOs who say, well, that person's the sales leader. Shouldn't he or she know how to figure this out? That's their job. That's their role. And Or salespeople. A good salesperson should be able to figure this out. Maybe, but you have to provide them with information. You have to provide them with what is the overall goal. Where are we at? Where, what are we trying to accomplish short-term and long-term and whatnot? So yeah, I, I love the transparency aspect of that. So I'm trying to think as we... I mean, we've we've covered a lot here. I mean, is it... What are you seeing that's... You know, honestly, we've 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 done some good good groundwork here. I mean, it. Well, one other thing, companies mess up sometimes because they they think I've come up with all this great planning, short term planning, and really we're talking about short term planning here mm-hmm. that can maintain the value in our business as we continue to drive long term. And they think I've come up with all this plan and I've rolled it out and I've told the team what to do, and they think check the box, got that done, now go do it, and. and I just think you are changing adult behavior and adults don't like to change. And you're telling them new messaging, new questions to ask, possibly different offerings, chase different markets. We're going to measure things differently. Maybe we're paying you different. That's a lot of change. And you have to shape behavior. And this is where companies fall down. It's you have to reinforce it. You have to celebrate it. You have to catch them doing the right thing. And this is a problem that that just because I told you to do it doesn't mean it's sunk in. I know how to apply it and I can run with it. So there can't emphasize enough. You really have to shape behaviors and overdo it. Overdo it as a leader, right? Overdo absolutely. And And, and if you're a really great leader, you're sitting out in front of the team and going, Ryan got three new appointments using our new process going after the new market. Ryan, tell us how you did that. Mm -hmm. And you're feeling good about yourselves. Guess what? Our numbers are probably still in the dumps. 
but you're feeling good about, hey, this is working. That's I'm on the right track. I'm getting recognized for it. The whole team's learning from this. That's how we shape behaviors. And it just gets overlooked way too much. Well, I think um, as you know, we got about 10 minutes here. So like, I think how, like even making this more tangible is the things that we were talking about a couple months ago, Gary is like, okay, so if you have the short term and the long term, because that's the balancing act that people are going through. And I think if we pull that thread and say, okay, from a financial perspective, you know, people, if they haven't gotten the 13 week cash flow statement, that's the 90 days of cash, what's coming in, what's coming out each week. And that's where once you have that going and you and I have talked about the, the mastering the cash flow video series that we've got, we'll put links in for this is once you have that data and that, in that tool that we have, we've created, you can then literally layer on the comp plans for the salespeople as, mm-hmm. as it relates to the pipeline, the accuracy of the pipeline. So the, the, the projected billings, but then also the receivables. I mean, we used to have people where, I mean, you can give some sales reps some comp plans. I mean, if to tie to, you know, go collect the receivables. So you yep. can have this ability to say 90 days of cash, everybody's tied to that. And then the second midterm of that is your annual budget, which is essentially what's my, tar- what's our target revenue? What's our target net profit? What's our target EBITDA? And what's going to bring in that material and that, and that, and that, uh, those numbers and then layering that. And so like if you and I were in an organization together, it'd be sales and finance, having that discussion, then you can yeah. layer on all the stuff that you're talking about on top of actual tangible dollars and cents and KPIs. Uh, absolutely. And, and you, you mentioned something in there that, that sparked something. We're getting asked a lot today, well, what do I do with comp? Because mm-hmm. that's part of all the financials. And what, what, how do I handle that? And do I change their comp plan? And do I change their goals and everything else? And, and I'll give you a consulting answer. It depends. Um, <laughs> if, if, we're in a crisis, if we're in a crisis right now, I, I never like changing the comp plan. I, the comp plan is the comp plan. And once you change it, it, it distracts everybody like crazy and they hate the comp plan and it, it's, it's a problem. So I like leaving the comp plan as it is. But in a term of crisis, I like using spiffs or bonuses or contests or whatnot to supplement that plan. They're, if you have people who have high variable pay, they're way down and they're looking to make money. And if you put contests around who gets the most qualified opportunity. Yeah, leave your normal with, infrastructure comp plan in place. Saying, and then you can just do these things right on top of that. Supplement it. Yep. Supplement it with different things and find those small wins. But you're, you're doing it to align with whatever behavior you're trying to drive with them. If you're more stable or, hey, if this is a blip on the radar, don't mess with your plan at all. Don't mess with your goals at all. Mm-hmm. And even on the crisis part, if you're in that short term, you make your goals around a week or a month, depending on what your sales cycle are. And you put incentives around there in some aspect to drive that. But you know, the big question we get asked is, do I totally reset my goals and redo my comp plan? No, no, well, I don't do that. And here's the cool tangible ways that um, to, to layer in both of the, the things that we were just talking about is, you know, if you got your 13 week cash flow statement and you're saying, okay, well, here's my receivables. And I went from a 95% confidence of us collecting that million bucks to like 50% of that is potentially effed. Okay, well, what are we going to do for that? Well, whose accounts are those? Are they big accounts? Is it the 80-20 rule? Well, here's the deal. We're going to give a 20% comp because it's either no money or some money, right? So and if you right. actually have the ability to like reflect in your financials, like our ability to collect 500 grand of that, I'd take 400 of the 500 with a 95% confidence than having that million dollars sit there at the 50% confidence. So those yeah. spiffs can be tied to stuff like that. And then also with the forecast... I mean, we used to do this with our reps. We're like, it can't be 30% confidence. Like we need, like, when's the last time you talked to him? I'm on the phone with you because we need the cash, which then can give you a higher spiff because we need the cash. I mean, period, right? And it's the same thing that goes to the annual budget where you say, hey, if our goal is a million dollars net profit, if if your need for cash or need to hit those numbers if you can show the data, you have the higher ability so to give a salesperson more money. Because like, I'm just thinking the, of the, the noise that's probably going on in the listeners' heads of, well, I don't want to give that salesperson money for something that's already sold. Well, do you want the cash right. or not? Right? right. <laughs> like, so I think it's the ability to have the data to be able to answer those questions so it's not the normal noise. And that's the key is have the data. Make sure they understand why we're doing what we're doing. Can always supplement it with other types of things. But... Uh, yeah, I, I really like the direction you were going earlier is they have to understand we're all in this together and understand the problem and we're all marching in the direction on how to do that. And if you get through the crisis, guess what? Your team is stronger. When you get through this, you have a team that really is more bought in. We, we've shaped the right behaviors. We haven't changed our goals. We haven't changed 
our strategy or whatnot. We're still on track, but we got through this thing together. That, that's pretty powerful. And you got bigger bonds, honestly, probably between your, your employees. Absolutely. One last question on the short term versus long term. Any feedback that you have for for people where like you said, you know, in case you're not pivoting your whole business model, but you're starting to do different things now, how on a messaging, whether it's online messaging or a sales conversation, do you, what kind of advice do you have for people that are doing something as a product? You're doing it right now, right? You've got your own kind of product for COVID, but your, your typical process is the same. How do you balance that from a messaging and a dialogue perspective? Message it to the sales team. Well, I'm trying to think of like, so like if you got, you know, if you're, especially for new customers, right? I think that new prospect where they're like, okay, well, what does Pivotal do? Is Pivotal a crash course in COVID management or do you do it something, what's your general business? Like, so like, you know, what I'm trying to say, and even for us, for that matching your cash flow course, like we do value growth, but less people are concerned about, you know, year 2025 right now, they got short-term issues. So like we didn't redo our whole business model, but we're meeting them at the needs to have some sort of offering right now, but the business didn't change. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, 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 yeah it makes sense. And even when you know we started this off, and I talked told a little bit about my business, I I didn't talk about the sales recovery program that we have for COVID. Um, mm-hmm. Our core business did not change, and the value of our business is really around our long term strategy around helping small to mid sized companies you know get that growth. I think it's important messaging to the team one. This is a short-term strategy to get us through a crisis. They need to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, that it hasn't changed our thing. So our team needs to know what to do because that helps them message it to the end users as well. Mm-hmm. And when we met, we're really big on qualifying um, like our offering. When we're going out there, we still talk about who we are and that hasn't changed and our value of our company hasn't changed. Let me ask you a few questions to see if this is even applicable. Mm-hmm. And it's such a hard question to answer because we got people in professional services or manufacturing. I know it's tough. It, it is. The it answer is. could be different. The messaging could be different on, on how you do it to the customer. But if it is a short term thing, I, I message it to the customer and says, Hey, we're helping you through this crisis. This is an offering that we've got specifically for this. So they know Great. it's one not- flyer, one splash page on your website, but don't redo yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's not changing who we are. This is something we created to help our customers through this particular thing. What is the way that people are finding customer, new customers these days? I mean, are they still fine? Because the office phones aren't there necessarily, gatekeepers. I mean, is, is there like networking events aren't there? I mean, is there, besides digital marketing in general, is there things that you're seeing that are working? If you have, well, networking is always good and you can network whether you're, um, virtual or at a coffee shop and you can still connect with people. And I'm big on describing the problem that we solve. So if you network with somebody, say, here's what people are dealing with. They're dealing with cash. They're dealing with all the things we've already talked about. Here's what we're doing to help them. Do you know anybody who has these problems? If they can walk you in, that's great. The other part I'm seeing is in this whole remote world we're living in, it's actually easier to get a hold of people. You don't have to walk into there and you don't go through a, a gatekeeper and people are getting pretty used to doing Zoom meetings, which I think is awesome. Zoom, go to meeting, WebEx, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But people are used to this now. So I can read body language. I can see their expressions. I can see what's hitting home. And you don't have to go through a bunch of layers and people are used to sitting in their, their home offices doing stuff. So if you can network in and get to those people and then get a meeting like, like you and I are doing right now, that's what I see. The other big thing I'm big on Find an ecosystem that you can drop into. Uh, if you're in manufacturing or you sell to manufacturing, there's manufacturing cohorts and manufacturing alliances and whatnot. Go to that alliance and say, here's a problem we're helping your market solve. Can I talk to your people about it? Mm-hmm. And, and instantly you're talking to 50, 100, 200 people. I mean, that that's a great way and you, you talk about the problem you solve. And anybody who's got problem A, B, C, or D Here's what the best companies are doing about love to talk to you about that. That's the best way to generate business right now. Super actionable. This has been a blast. I'm glad you're able to come back on. Always have fun chatting <laughs> with you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a, it's do not just check in with your customers. <laughs> I think that, that is the big takeaway, right? I mean, that is any, any other big takeaways or any, you know, any advice you want to leave for an owner or a sales leader? The biggest thing I would say is markets are down. Whenever there's change, there's opportunity. 
and you have to understand all the changes your clients are going through. And if you understand what those challenges are, and if you have any solution for them, guess what? They want to hear from you right now because they're trying to figure it out. And if you can make them think about things that they have not thought about before, and you can proactively go to them with that, you you strengthen your current clients and, and you open up new doors. Gary, what is the best way to get in touch with you and Pivotal? Uh, pivotaladvisors.com is uh, the easiest way you can go there. Um, all of our contact information for all of our consultants are there. All my information's there as well. Thanks for coming back on. It's been a blast. Yes, thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Gary is the man. I'll tell you what, sales is hard. I know how difficult it is right now to get through to people. I highly recommend reaching out to Gary if you got questions on sales. I also highly recommend that you align your sales strategy in data, like Gary and I were talking about in that first step. Tie your financials, tie your target net income, your target EBITDA to the sales strategy. You got to have your sales and your finance team working together, and you got to make sure that you're focused on the right strategies. If you're curious about whether you're working on the right things or not, text the word intentional to 66866, and we will shoot you a 20-question assessment. It's called the Intentional Growth Assessment. It's going to ask you questions that you rate on a scale of one to five, and it spits out a score so you can determine whether you're working on the right things that are growing value long-term and that you just don't wake up in three to five years without freedom and options in a valuable company. Thanks very much for tuning in, and I will see you next week when we're talking to Xavier Helgeson about how he scaled a company that has donated almost 30 million books.